Hello, everybody, and welcome to My EdTech Life. Thank you for joining our stream today. And today, we're going to be talking about remote learning in the time of COVID-19. And today, we have a special guest here with us today. We have Dr. Rene Corbet, who has 37 years of teaching experience, both in public and higher education. And he has specialized in online education for the past 20 plus years. And some of his re research interests include exploring best practices in e-learning, establishing and maintaining social presence and teacher presence in online education, enhancing critical thinking and problem solving skills in online learning and developing and maintaining learning team collaborations in computer mediated, mediated learning environments. So boy, like that really is an amazing description. And truly this is my first live stream with this show. And again, you're here with, at my, with my EdTech Life. And today, like I said, it is an honor to have here Dr. Corvey from the University of Texas Rio Grande Valley. So Dr. Corvey, welcome. Hi, and welcome. Thank you, Alfonso. Uh, it's a pleasure to be here. Thank you, Dr. Corbet. So again, let's just go ahead and show you a couple things first, guys. If you're interested in following either one of us on Twitter, you can follow me at techteacher1381, where you can go ahead and see a lot more uh, e-learning. I post a lot of stuff on augmented reality as well and things dealing with education remote learning, uh, as well as the big thing right now that everybody is sharing on. So just stop by, add us, subscribe to our YouTube channel as well, where we are going live. And you can also follow Dr. Corbet at I'm Future Ready on Twitter. Dr. Corbet, go ahead and share a couple of other uh, social media platforms that you might be on as well. We're on Facebook um, and Scoop It, Tumblr, and I forgot what the other ones are. There are a couple of other ones, but if you if you Google them, you'll find them. Yeah, uh, LinkedIn. Usually you'll, <laughs> LinkedIn, oh yeah, big one. Uh, if you just look for EdTech at UTRGV, you'll find us on, on all the different social media platforms. Perfect, excellent. Well, again, thank you for joining us here on our very first show. And again, live show, it's very exciting that you're here because we do encourage audience participation. So audience members, if you have any questions or if you'd like to chime in with some comments, definitely go ahead and do so. So again, today, you know, myself through my experience, three weeks out of school, spring break, focusing on a lot of training, the week after, a lot more training, trying to set help our teachers uh, get ready for this transition from classroom to now online teaching. So it's definitely something that has been a big adjustment, a lot of firsts for a lot of us in the education field, K through higher ed, as we notice. And so Dr. Corbet, like today that you're joining us here, um, I'd like to talk specifically a little bit more about higher ed and some of the things that you may be seeing there in higher ed. So my first question to you is, uh, what effect has this had um, in your line of work right now? Well, for me personally, um, not that much. Uh, I've been teaching online for a long time and my students have been online students for a long time. So in our program, in the educational technology program, uh, it's been pretty much business as usual. Aside from the fact that we can't go out to, and we're doing everything from home, uh, I haven't really noticed that much of a difference. 
I can't speak for the rest of my colleagues because there are some colleagues who uh, it's been a very stressful time. The transition from face to face to online was difficult for many of them. And as a result, uh, people have been stressed. The university staff have been working overtime to help these faculty put their resources online. And it's, it's just been uh, a crazy couple of weeks ever since uh, we got off the extended spring break. Yo, I bet. Yeah. And in reading news articles and seeing all those things, I did see, uh, you know, articles on the transition for, like you said, some of your your colleagues at the universities and having to mobilize very quickly uh, to set up, of course, the online resources for students, uh, methods of communication. How are people going to, you know, hold class, share that information, assignments and things of that sort. So I know that that is definitely uh, can be very stressful for many who have never had that experience. And like you said, I think one of the things that really helped you get is being that, uh, you know, ed tech professional and in being able to teach online and doing it for years and, and different methods. So that really helps out a lot. Now, have you heard at least back from any of, of your program uh, graduates? I know myself, I'm including myself in that. I am a program graduate from the University of Texas Rio Grande Valley, the ed tech program with Dr. Corbet and his wife, uh, Dr. Marielena Corbet as well. And so I know for me, just personally sharing uh, this is that what I've learned in the, within the program has definitely transferred very well into the current situation that we're in and being able to be very proactive instead of just being reactive. So going into that, Dr. Corbet, I know we, we've talked a little bit about that. Did you, with this transition, you know, we noticed that there was just a lot of people reacting to the situation. What are some of the things that that you have seen or heard? And aside from that, you know, things or success stories that you've heard from many of our, our, our program, uh, you know, members or many of the students as well. Well, I will say that, uh, since the program has been around for about, uh, 20 some odd years, uh, we've got hundreds of graduates all over Mm -hmm. the state of Texas. And and we've been very blessed, uh, to be receiving some emails and, and communications via Facebook about, Several from several of our students who are, I mean, expressing gratitude for being having prepared uh, for this this uh, crisis that we're now facing. Uh, they they were basically thanking us and saying, you know, thank you for the for the preparation that you've given us. We are now able to make a difference within our schools and school districts. And just like you, who's been doing a lot of work for your school, <laughs> uh, preparing teachers. Uh, we've had several others say that they're doing the same thing. Long, long hours developing tutorials and preparing resources to provide professional development for their teachers. Yeah, definitely. And I agree with you on that. And, uh, you know, it's very interesting, you know, it's oftentimes, even as teachers, and I remember in the classroom always teaching and, you know, trying to make those connections to, to real world and you know, sometimes students are like, oh, how could I ever apply this and so on. But I must say that, you know, being in the program and, and going through the master's and, and finishing that off, 
really it, it just all came together and being able to apply those skills. And I know we have other members, like I'll mention Omar Lopez, who's doing a phenomenal job there in, in his district. And um, I think there's a couple of other members, Oscar uh, Carrera, who's also working over there in El Paso in region one. And uh, the, he's doing very well and setting up trainings. And so definitely um, kudos to the program. It's been a wonderful uh, journey and now being able to put that to use is is something that is great because it does prepare you for this field and I think for a lot of us in this field now I think that uh, you know we, we people are seeing the value now in in educational technology and maybe even in some of those trainings that we would try and hold and people thought like nah I'm never gonna need that and now you know there there is that need because we, we're reacting to a situation that we don't know how long we're going to be like this for, but regardless, uh, you know, we should look into having plans in place for anything that would happen like this in the future as well. Very true. Uh, as a matter of fact, we're, we've been experiencing a little bit of an uptick in our enrollment uh, and some students, new, new students uh, have been saying, you know, You've been telling me for years to, to go into this program. I should have listened to you. <laughs> uh, I, they had all kinds of excuses for why they shouldn't have done it. And now they're saying, now I have no excuse. Uh, this is the perfect time. I actually even have the time to, to actually go through a, a program like this. So um, it's, it's nice to hear. I mean, it's sad that it's happening through this kind of a crisis and it yeah. took a pandemic to wake some faculty, I mean, some teachers up uh, about the need to use technology in their classes. Yeah. All right. Well, I've, we've got a question here, and we've got David Warren Hernandez who's asking, do you guys think this is the new normal? Will schools and districts be creating distance learning plans for the next pandemic, or and will remote learning be an alternative to in-person classes in K through 12. So that's a pretty good question there by Mr. David Warren Hernandez. Hello, Mr. Hernandez. It's great to see you. So uh, Dr. Corbet, do you want to go ahead and, uh, you know, chime in on that? Hi, David. Uh, yeah. Um, as a matter of fact, I, I don't think that we'll ever really go fully back to the way things were before the pandemic. So we are going to have a new normal. What that's going to be or what it's going to look like, I, I don't really have a, a very, very clear indication. Uh, a lot of it will have to do with how long uh, we're going to be locked up and, uh, and what lessons we can glean from, from this experience. But I do, I do believe that the future is going to be different. As, regarding schools and school districts, I do think that they're going to have to develop a contingency plan. You know, this time, uh, they got, we all got caught. Uh, flat-footed. We weren't ready for something like this. No one expected that something like this could ever happen. So I do think that uh, one of the things that is going to be priority one for all school districts across the country is to develop some kind of a contingency plan so that it happens. Uh, if, if we have to stay home again in the future, and it's just a matter of time before another bug another virus comes around that, that is going to force us to take action and hopefully we'll be ready. Uh, so that was that. I don't remember what the third part of the question was. Uh, he said, will remote learning be an alternative to in-person classes in K through 12? Um, I think that it would be a good idea 
for schools to begin blended learning. Start getting the kids ready to uh, and accustomed to using the technology from home. I think in some schools that that's already happening. You know, a lot of times students will go home and they'll do their homework online through tablets or or Chromebooks or some other technology. So in in those school districts, uh, this transition wasn't as painful as those schools and school districts where they haven't been uh, encouraging teachers to use technology in the classroom. I think that's a big key because we can't just say, okay, we're going to have this plan and we're going to buy all this technology and we'll store it away until uh, the next pandemic comes. No, we can't do that. What we need to start doing is we need to go ahead and start using that technology, training the teachers how to use it, getting the students accustomed to using it like it's a normal everyday thing so that if the day comes that we have to stay home again, that everybody will already be familiar with the technology, with the procedures, with the routines, with the hardware, with the software. So I think that's going to be a little bit more of what the new normal will look like. And like I said a few moments ago, who, who would have thought that it would take a pandemic to, to wake us up to start doing things that we should have been doing a long time ago? Right. And I, I'm glad that you mentioned that, you know, it's oftentimes we see districts, like you said, purchase technology, but it just kind of sits there. And oftentimes it, it's just teachers may be just a little hesitant. It's something new. It's a first for them. Uh, but I think it, just having a plan of action, a strategic plan per se, um, you know, within a school district to roll out technology, uh, do PDs, offer all these things. And then that way, like you said, when something like this happens again, teachers can just readily just kind of flip the switches and all right, we're going into online mode. And now one of the things that I enjoy is a lot of the platforms uh, especially a lot of uh, the textbook pl textbook platforms have an online component of it that now ties into a, an LMS like Google Classroom. So now students, if you're rolling out Google Classroom, you can assign straight from that platform into Google Classroom. Students don't have to leave that platform. Everything is all in one platform and it just makes it that much easier and it's a, a tighter package for the students to see. And I think one of the things that you hit on is blended learning. Now, um, correct me if I'm wrong, but maybe a couple of months back, there was an article stating about the 100, 100 biggest ed tech failures or things of that sort. And I believe blended learning was on that list. And I think people might've spoken too soon on that. I don't know, what what's your take on that? I agree. I think the, the uh, prognosis on the early demise of blended learning is a little premature. Um, I do think that blended learning is probably the, the best transition uh, to help us get from face-to-face -to, -face to online. Uh, but it has to be done, you know, over time. It can't just be we flip the switch and, we, and we're blended or we're, and flip the switch again and now we're fully online. We have to bring it into our culture. It has to be part of our normal everyday thing. And I think one of the problems that some teachers uh, see is they consider technology as an add-on. In some cases, it's, it's sad to see that they'll use it as a reward. If you finish your work early today, I'll let you play on the computer yeah. versus trying to figure out a meaningful way to integrate the technology into their lessons. 
And if they do it well, if they do it successfully, the technology is invisible. It's just there as a tool, you know, uh, and you can, you can use it in, in inappropriate ways and it's going to have very limited impact or effect or strategically and hopefully it can emphasize or Im improve uh, instruction. And I agree with that. You know, it, it's sometimes we do see uh, technology uses, you know, you have some Chromebooks, you have, um, you know, devices, but oftentimes it's the teachers. It, it's just a lot of push out from the teachers. But to me, I feel those tools could be used for the students to create and create a learning artifact. So giving the teachers the ability to be that guide on the side and not so much that uh, sage on the stage can definitely be helpful with the use of technology and being able to, you know, put out, put out a lesson for the kids, but instead of just consuming, consuming, say, hey, I want you to create, you have a choice as far as how to demonstrate your learning. Here's a learning artifact. You can either use this platform or you can create this and you can create that. And now it becomes something that students take ownership of. And that's something that while I was in the classroom, I saw frequently when you allow the students to use the tech in, in that sort of way where you provide a guideline for them and give them voice and choice as to how they want to provide their or their learning or to prove or submit their learning artifact, I should say. Um, they come up with some amazing things and then you start getting deeper into their thought process. And even as a teacher, it helped me see things in a different manner. So technology definitely has a lot of benefits uh, within the classroom. And I hope that, like you said, after today uh, or after what is going on today, you know, people will start uh, looking into that a little bit more. Uh, let's go ahead and see here a question from Oscar. Oscar Carrera says, Dr. Corbet, what edtech tools and resources have been trending that you've been reading about or hearing lately? And anything that sticks out, Dr. Corbet, you recently? Mean, aside from Zoom? <laughs> <laughs> All yeah. <of> Zoom, yeah. <laughs> well, hey, uh, we've been pushing Zoom uh, for several years at the university and, and uh, we started using it because first of all, it was free. You know, we could get the 45 minute free as unlimited uh, uh, video conferences for free. Uh, and we convinced the entire university to say, you know what, let's buy onto this. So I think that's one really very helpful tool. I've seen a lot of uh, companies offering their, their software for either a completely free or reduced cost. Um, just the other day, my daughter, who's a graphic designer, she was laid off or, uh, and, uh, she had, she wanted to try to work from home. Well, fortunately for her, all of the Adobe products, they said that for the next mm -hmm. couple of months, they were going to allow people to, uh, get those products at no cost. They don't have to pay the monthly fee. I've seen a lot of tools, uh, that teachers have been using for a long time that are offering other types of uh, uh, incentives for teachers to try out their tools, you know? So um, there are a bunch of them. I can't yeah. think of all of them right now, but, but I I'm seeing a lot in the media about yeah. how I, companies are, are chiming in to help out. Yeah. I think with some of that, you do see some companies that are doing a phenomenal job and really truly, um, sharing these platforms for the greater good for teachers to use. 
but it seems like sometimes there's some companies that are kind of starting to beta test stuff now and you know say hey let's see what kind of feedback we get and to better our product or uh, you only get this for 30 minutes or for 30 days and then they try and hook you and then later on it's like well if you still want to keep this for the next 30 days well here's the fee and things of that sort so um, i'm also very cautious as far as you know what platforms students will be using because with so much information out there right now and students logging in to a lot of places that information to me, digital citizenship is a big thing. And for me, just protecting information is something that I value highly. So it's very uh, interesting that you see this in a lot of companies uh, giving out these products and so on, but what are they doing with that information? So just little things to think about. I'm always, you know, I always go for the side of security over ease and comfort sometimes. And I've learned that um, in these three years um, working where I am now, because I have an awesome CTO who always focuses security. And so one of the things sometimes, although something, something might make it, there may be a tool that might make things easier for a teacher, but how secure is it? And for me, protecting child security and even the t teacher info is definitely a big, a big thing. So just some things to, to think about there. Um, yeah. What are your thoughts uh, just, about that? For security? I was just going to say on the topic of uh, digital literacy, I think that's going to be a new emphasis in the in the new normal. Uh, it might become one of the five R's or the, the three R's, and then there are a couple of other new ones that have come yeah. out. So yeah. I, I definitely think that digital literacy is going to you know step up a notch in yeah. in the level of importance. All right, so we've got a question here, Dr. Corbet from Wayne Bridges. He says, do you see equitable access to technology being addressed in the current crisis? Now he says, obviously federal funding will help, but where are the remaining gaps and what needs to be done to further address those needs? Anything maybe from your readings or you know that you see or colleagues that may be commenting on any of this? Well, right now, obviously, there, there is still the digital divide. There are neighborhoods and cities where they don't, you know, very, very poor, where the parents don't have enough money to, to provide Internet access at home. There may be, a, you know, families with five or six children, and they're all sharing maybe one device. Yeah. They may be connecting on, on the parent's cell phone or, or, you know, some other. So there is always going to be that. Another divide that... I, I was just reading about today, as a matter of fact, is, is uh, referencing the, di the digital divide amongst teachers. Not that they don't have mm. access to the tools, but that they don't have the knowledge and skills to use those tools effectively. So there is a divide there too. And I think that as part of the new normal, schools and school districts are going to be investing very heavily, I think, in professional development. They're going to be investing heavily on infrastructure. They're going to be investing very heavily on the technology so to make sure that children have access to those devices, not only in school, but when they go home. I, I've seen stories about how some school districts are using their, they're setting up their school buses with Wi-Fi and they're parking them in certain neighborhoods so that at night, uh, they can go ahead and uh, get internet access. Uh, companies like Verizon and AT&T, I think, have been offering free uh, hotspots for home 
for families that qualify. So I think those types of initiatives are good. I think it'd be nice to see a partnership between the city and the school district where maybe they could provide a blanket uh, yeah. Wi-Fi coverage for the entire city. Uh, here in Brownsville, there was discussion about it several years ago because they were thinking they needed it for the first responders, police, fire, ambulance, you know, uh, and they figured, well, if, if we're going to cover the city to, to be able to provide access to all of our first responders, how much more would it take to just provide it to all its citizens? You know, so I think that as part of the new normal, we're going to start to see those types of things because it's not going to help if we flip the switch tomorrow for another pandemic and the same is happening where certain parts of the city don't have internet and certain people don't have the, the tools. Right. Yeah. And that's uh, across the board, I think, uh, with a lot of my friends and I've been uh, in meetings with uh, other Google educators from around the world. And a lot of it is just the same thing, too. There is a digital divide. Not everybody has a device, uh, not or parents that do have devices don't have printers and teachers are sending out, you know, worksheets and things of that sort. So it we really I think like one of the, the comments when we were talking about this uh, uh, live stream earlier um, this week, it was just that getting caught flat footed, you know, like you said, it's just being unprepared for those things. And I think as as we see that we're reacting and, and now we're putting plans in place. And I think what you mentioned earlier, as far as teachers seeking out more PD, that professional development is definitely going to be something that's going to be uh, big, very big within school districts. And of course, you know, uh, ed tech leaders there within those districts are definitely going to be very busy and helping out those teachers because again, we definitely don't want to get caught flat-footed again. So that'll be something that we'll look forward to in the education field. And um, and I know we we talked a little bit about this. Uh, I think uh, it was part of uh, uh, David David's question, but you know anything else that you can think of as far as how are the education landscape is going to change you know in the future what are what are some things that maybe you might recommend you know that for teachers that are out there right now that are feeling overwhelmed any words of advice for you know cuz it's a first for a lot so much information that is out there and i know not only that the teachers get overwhelmed with them doing their own research and then they've got what the district's telling them and then they see what their friends are telling them and so they're going through so much right now. What advice would you give them just to maybe put them at ease, you know, or brings some comfort to them and maybe some things to look forward to? Well, I think I would start by saying that hang in there. You, we're all in this together. Yeah. Uh, and you're not the only one that's feeling the way you feel. Um, fortunately, I, I was just reading that the, Department of Education is going to allow for uh, Title I through five funds to be repurposed so that yeah. if school districts want to provide, uh, dedicate uh, some of those resources to providing professional development for teachers, that it will be uh, made available, that they'll approve that also for the technology and the infrastructure. But going back to what you were saying about uh, just advice for teachers, you know, how do we finish out the school year? Well, I think, first of all, that 
the teachers by and large across the country have been doing a an amazing job with very limited resources and, and maybe even skill. They've been doing the best they can. And the thing that uh, I keep hearing over and over is just be there for your students. Be there for them, support them in any way you can, encourage them. And, you know, let's just try to get through this semester, get through the this school year. And then we'll have the summer where we can go ahead and look back and see what can we have done differently? What can we have done better? Simplify things as much as you can, as much as you'd love to be able to do some really amazing things, try to keep it simple for now. Just try to get the basics across to students so that that way they won't feel overwhelmed either. And if, if we can all just remember that, we're, you know, none of us were really prepared for what, what happened and we're all in the same boat, then hopefully we'll get through it together and, and we'll be better, we'll be stronger, we'll be more resilient the next time around. Yeah. So I, that's what I would say. Yeah, no, and I agree with you. I think one of the things that has helped me, at least with uh, the district that I work for, is I always tell the teachers, it's like, I'm here for you. I always tell them, let me do the worrying for you. I'm going to take care of you. We'll make sure that we get you um, everything that you need. And, you know, I think sometimes it's just even that that personal aspect, that personal touch, just bringing them, reassuring them, giving them that comfort and just, uh, you know, I think one of the things that I've learned a lot, especially from the program and uh, transferring it over is that the aspect of tying in that personalized learning with the skills that I've learned through the micro learning, the chunking and things of that sort has really helped out a lot in alleviating some of that stress that instead of, you know, creating a big 30 minute tutorial, it's just little chunks that are digestible that the teachers can pause and play, rewind at any time and share and things of that sort. So, uh, you know, my advice for tech leaders, you know, or instructional technologists that are out there is I know it may be a first for a lot of them too as well, but just keep it simple, bite-sized uh, learning chunks, and your teachers will definitely appreciate that a whole lot. So, and also just be very patient and courteous and, you know, just always give them your best because keep in mind that they, they may be first timers as far as tech is concerned. You know, I know it's the first time for all of us being in this situation, but for non-tech using teachers, this is a first for them. So just uh, my, my advice is keep it personal and always offer customer service. And that's always a big plus. Teachers respond well to that. And it's been a blessing for sure. You know, so that's been great. So, Oh yeah, go ahead, Dr. Corbin. No, I was just going to say that uh, Dr. Maria Elena and I actually wrote an article about customer service in online education and how important it is. Uh, this was years ago that we wrote the article and I remember we presented it at a conference and these old uh, professors were just looking at us, making faces and saying, why would I ever want to do that? You know, they kind of had the uh, impression that uh, if, if I teach, they will come and, you know, I don't have to worry about uh, being nice to them. I don't have to worry about pr providing professional uh, courtesy or anything like that. They just show up and they're my prisoners in my class. Well, things have changed. And nowadays, uh, you know, you have to think about 
you know, you you are the teacher first, but you also, I mean, students now have a choice, especially in higher education. Uh, another university would be happy to take them, and they're just a mouse click away. Oh, so yeah. customer service is very, very important, and we've been preaching that message for over 10 years. Yeah, and actually customer service, I, I believe, is one of the things that's helped me be successful in the classroom. And now I, I do have a bachelor's in marketing. That was my first degree. So that's where I learned customer service and translating that into the classroom and saying I've got 30 different little customers that I have to sell algebra to. And then so without even me knowing anything from the education field or I was like, wow, that's what personalized learning is. I learned that in marketing, you know, I learned that in my business class. So yeah, it, it and it definitely does go a long way. It really does. So I'm going to have to check out that article and that'll be good. So that'll be interesting. You'll find it. It's online somewhere. <laughs> Excellent. Well, Dr. Corbett, I think we've pretty much covered all our, our questions that we had for today. I know we had uh, some visitors here uh, and we, an we were able to answer their questions, but is there anything? Oh, actually, I wanted to ask you currently right now, are there any projects that you're currently working on? Anything, uh, whether it's through the university or, you know, you know, publishing anything at all that you can share with us? Uh, well, right now, as a matter of fact, Dr. Marielena and I are collaborating on a book. Uh, it's about microlearning, microlearning in the digital age is what it's titled. Um, that one hopefully will be coming out in early 2021. We've already got all the chapters uh, in and we're going through the double blind peer reviews of them and so on. Uh, so that's one project. We're working also on a little interesting type of research uh, about the internet of things how we can use that in education and one uh thing that we're experimenting with and we're going to try to do it for a conference in the near future where if we ever have face-to-face -face conferences right <laughs> um where we demonstrate uh the use of beacons uh they're cool. these little bluetooth proximity sensors that imagine if a student a group of students let's say the whole class uh, if they have, they come into the classroom, they've got their little iPads uh, or Chromebooks or whatever devices. And as they go to their stations, the little proximity sensor sends them an, a message with the link to the, to the resources that they're going to need to do the project at, that, at each of the different workstations. Uh, so we're going to be looking at how beacons can be used uh, in the classroom. They've been using them in marketing all the time. I just saw uh, a commercial about you order a pizza and as soon as you step in the door, your name appears on a sign, you know, and, and your pizza's ready and that type of thing. Those are using the same type of technologies on apps, you know, so if you have a Domino's app, uh, as soon as you walk in the door, they know you're there because of the proximity thing. So in marketing, they've been using it. Imagine, yeah some of the creative things. And I would love to hear if any of you all uh, think that you could, that you'd like to, to learn more about it and you have some ideas of things that you'd like to be able to do with proximity uh, beacons, you know, contact me. I love to have that conversation with you. And that way when, when we do this conference, hopefully in October, uh, we'll be doing demonstrations that will, you know, ooh and ah, all these <laughs> old faculty that, uh, that don't really think much of technology. 
No, well, that's great. That's amazing what you guys are doing there. And uh, Dr. Corbet, before you leave also, please, uh, I encourage you just yeah, share a little bit about your program, the, you know, Masters in Educational Technology. Um, you know, here's your time to go ahead and share a little bit about that, just because uh, maybe because I came out of that program, and I truly think it is one of the best programs, um, you know, before I considered UTRGV, I was looking at other programs, but I'm going to tell you one thing, and I'm going to say it right here in front of everybody in the world. The reason that I chose UTRGV was because Dr. Corbet was the only one that called me back, and we had a personal chat. So going back to that personal, um, you know, to the service or customer service, that really made a big difference. And the program, once I was in it, definitely worth it. So I encourage you uh, to look into it, but I'm going to let Dr. Corbet just go ahead and share a little bit about that. Well, the program, the Master of Education in Educational Technology is a 30-hour accelerated program, which means that you can get the entire master's degree in about 10 months. Take, if you take two courses per seven-week uh, module, you'll, you'll finish it in about 10 months. As part of the program, you can pick up a graduate certificate in e-learning or technology leadership. So without having to pay anything extra, you can pick up one or the other of these two certificates. So when you graduate, and I think he's got the, the, the things on his, uh, the diplomas on the back, <laughs> uh, those certificates you know, give you that uh, competitive edge. If you're going up for a, a job, and there are two candidates with a master's degree in ed tech. Well, you have your master's in ed tech, but you also have these graduate certificates that show certain expertise in certain high need areas. So you can earn either one or the other, or just by taking one extra class, earn them both. Uh, it's all project-based, so there's no tests. In every single class, you'll identify a real-world training need or opportunity. This could be for your students, it could be for your fellow teachers, it could be for paraprofessionals, for parents. You identify that audience and you will develop some kind of instructional solution to address that need that you've identified. And all of those projects will culminate in the formation of an e-portfolio. So instead of taking some written comprehensive exam at the end of the degree, you will put together this portfolio which yes, it'll be used to, to assess how you did through the program, but also we designed it in a way so that you can use it, attach it to your resume, so that when you apply for a job, you can say, oh, by the way, here are my many certificates and here's my diploma, but also here are the skills that I know how to do. You can see the actual work that I do. So one of the things that's different about our program, I think, is that you learn educational technology through educational technology. We try to model it, uh, the teachers, and our faculty are very passionate. Uh, what you see yeah. with me is what you get. And I challenge anyone to contact me, and I promise you I will get back to you within 24 hours, unless if it's on yeah. the weekend, maybe a little longer. <laughs> so thank you for giving me a chance to, to plug the, oh, the program. Oh, of course. No, no problem. And like I said, just being being a product of that program and you know coming in at such a time, like the timing could have been any better and getting the, the master's along with the two certificates really, like you said, really helps you stand out. Uh, but again, one of the things that I am going to add to what Dr. Corbet says, uh, to what he said is, 
all the professors are amazing. There isn't one class that you will not learn something in. And what I love about it is the, the flexibility in the sense of this is the problem that you identified. Now, th this is what we may suggest, like tools that you can use. But what I loved about it is I'll be like, Dr. Corbet, check it out. I found this other tool that does this. Can I use this instead? Or Dr. Corbet, you're like, hey, as long as you're, you're fulfilling what you need to do for your project and it, you're doing it and it does what it needs to do, that works out. And I think that really helps out a lot where it really felt like I was taking ownership of, of my learning where as other uh, programs may ask you to say, no, you've got to stick to this and you have to use this and this and this, where here it was, well, these are what we suggest, but we've seen other students do this. But as long as we have this final learning artifact turned in with the required guidelines, then you're good. And I think that's what I enjoyed the most of the program too as well. And obviously working alongside you and Dr. Maria Elena and Dr. Crosslin and uh, you know all the other faculty that I, I got to um, you know, meet and obviously my classmates, which Oscar and Margaret are here joining us today on the live stream. So hello guys, thank you for joining. So uh, Dr. Hi guys. <laughs> Dr. Corbet, thank you again for the, the opportunity to uh, give me an opportunity, for giving me an opportunity to interview you and having you on our show, being the first guest here on Maya Tech Life's live stream is something wonderful and this will be, it is live. It'll be there for replay, but it will also be turned into a podcast. So keep an ear open for that podcast, which will be released. And again, thank you so much. Thank you to our audience members also for participating. We definitely appreciate it. And Dr. Corbet, anything, any last words that you'd like to leave us with before we, we uh, finish the program? Be safe. Be safe. Awesome. All right, everybody. And, well, hopefully all see, and hopefully we'll see you all in the program soon. There you go. Awesome. All right, guys. Thank you, everybody, for joining us. This has been Alfonso Mendoza. This has been Dr. Corbet. Thank you very much for joining us in my EdTech Life.